Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Dickler. T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N 
at soulofamericaradio.com. Email us with your questions, your comments, or whatever you like to do there, and I will take it with the greatest of confidence, and I will reach out to you, and I will definitely answer you today. I'm so excited because of the fact that I know this much here, that somebody that may be going through something right now, someone who may be uh, actually uh, facing rejection, someone who have been facing abandonment, someone who has felt like their lives were over, that this show is designed with you in mind. We want to help change your destiny by bringing you to a place of hope and healing, and it is a journey to wholeness tonight. And I'm so glad that you're here listening to us tonight on this wonderful network. That's right. It is the Soul of America Radio. That's right, Soul of America. In other words, soar, because we learn to soar above our problems. We learn to soar above our circumstances. We learn to soar in the midst of adversity, and that is what is so extremely important about this program. So as you join us tonight, I just want to say to so many that may be out there listening tonight that we are about seeing people heal and bringing hope and healing. And there are so many things to be hoped and healed from because of the fact of the nature of our society today, the abandonment, the abuse that is going on, the violence that is taking place and is happening rapidly across our country. You've heard me say it so many times that our our families are torn by violence. Our communities are destroyed by violence. Our faith is tested by violence. And therefore, you know, it's incumbent upon us to stand up and we have to speak out against the violence. And we have to understand that this violence doesn't behave itself. This violence is affecting one out of every. One out of every four women in this country have been affected by domestic violence. We understand that not only that, the domestic violence doesn't stop just at home. It actually comes to work. It comes to church. It shows up in so many ways, and it affects us in so many ways. And so many times, our society doesn't respond until they see a financial number that is affecting them. Listen to what I'm saying. A lot of times, our society does not respond to domestic violence until they see how it affects their bottom line. So many ways, the bottom line is the thing that really causes people to become unnerved and enough to do something about it. But speaking of that bottom line, let me say something to you. Domestic violence is a very costly, very costly proposition. As a matter of fact, that is a very costly proposition, but let me say something to you. The, an, the annual cost of low pro, uh, lost productivity on the job due to domestic violence is estimated as a $727.8 million with over $7.9 million paid work days lost each year. That's a lot of money that's being paid out. Then we understand that the cost of intimate partner violence exceeds over $5.8 billion each year, $4.1 billion of that, which is for direct medical and mental health care services, uh, much of which is paid for by the employer. So we understand that the fact of the matter is that domestic violence does not behave itself. It happens. It occurs at homes. It occurs on the job. It never behaves itself. It goes to work. And so we have a real problem in our society. We have an issue that we must face, that we must address, that it becomes too easy, however, to turn our heads, to turn our heads from something that is serious, to turn our heads from something that impacts all of us, to turn our heads from something that doesn't discriminate. And we have to understand that it has a far for has a far more reaching effect than we like to even believe. It reaches far into our neighborhoods. It reaches far into our our society. It reaches far and inside of everything that we do. And we've got to be willing and we've got to be ready to deal with this issue because this issue is that it is real. It is real in a real way. It is real. It's impacting every facet of our society. Our young men are learning that violence is the way. 
uh, of solving your problems. I learned, young men are learning that violence is the way that you uh, carry out any type of dispute. Unfortunately, young ladies are learning to believe that domestic violence is a part of just a natural part of a relationship, and we cannot have that. We've got to be able to... Uh, we got to be able to stand up against domestic violence. We got to be able to change the very culture in which we live in. We got to be able to do so. So you know what? When we do so, we've got to look at a. We got to look at the fact that there is a responsibility that falls on every side, and that side cannot be abandoned. We have to stand up, and we have to do the things that we do in order to speak out against domestic violence, to sound an alarm to understand that domestic violence is not a curse that has been put upon you, to understand that it is an act of someone's will that has been imposed against you. And so you and I must re- recognize the fact that we have a responsibility inside of this. There's responsibility that happens inside of domestic violence that every member of our society and every member of our community must begin to stand up and speak out again because domestic violence, it is our business. It is our business every day. It is our business 24-7 uh, uh, 365 days of the year that domestic violence is something that we must all take seriously. And not only must we take it seriously, we must do the things that we have to do to sound the alarm. We can no longer afford to go any any further inside of the silence that has been so long uh, been part of the culture when it comes to domestic violence. We've got to speak out, men, women, boys and girls, we have to speak out. There's no need for it to exist. There's no need for us to, to give it power. There's no need for any of these things to continue to manifest itself. We must stand up and we must speak out against domestic violence. There is no excuse. No one needs an excuse. No one deserves an excuse to get by with domestic violence. It is one of those situations, <clears throat> if I may say so, it's one of those situations that the longer that we're silent about it, the more lethal it becomes. And that is what I really want to be able to say today, is that we must stand up, we must speak out, and we must not allow domestic violence to, to continue to be something that is bared uh, by our families, by our girls, by our boys. We have to speak out against domestic violence, and we must recognize that only not only does domestic violence affect all facets of society, but domestic violence is an equal opportunity. Let me say it again. It's an equal opportunity destroyer. And so when we understand that it destroys everything that it touches, when we understand that it destroys everything that and everyone that comes its way, then we're going to be able to speak out and be able to actually create a new environment, a new culture as it relates to domestic violence. So I charge you and I really uh, say to each and every one of you that domestic violence, it is our business. It is our business, regardless of what position you hold. As a matter of fact, i like to go a little further and say it's because of that position that you hold that we must take this thing more seriously. It's because of that position and the status that we hold that we must stand up and sound the alarm. It is because of that position that we hold that we must begin to speak out and speak out loud against domestic violence because domestic violence, it is our business. And that is where we have to hang our head that it's not only our business, we have a charge. We absolutely must do something about it. We can't sit around. We cannot sit around acting as if it doesn't exist. We must do the things that are necessary uh, to be able to address this issue of domestic violence. We must do the things that are very much um, 
important because except we speak out, except we speak out and do the things that are needed to be done about domestic violence, we're going to continue to see the next generation of violence. We'll continue to see the next generation of batterers. We're going to continue to see the next generation of those that are being impacted by this terrible, uh, this terrible epidemic that is uh, that has really gripped our nation. And it takes people that will stand up and speak out. And I'm talking about stand up and speak out in a real way, someone who will stand up and speak out in a way that affects everything about them. In other words, what am I saying? I'm saying it has come the time that we must stand up and raise the issue. Now, on the other side of the break here in a few minutes, I want to talk about not only warning signs, but I want to invite, I'm going to open the lines, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. I'm opening a line, and I'm opening a line for this reason here. I'm opening a line so that we can all have a dialogue, and I invite you to be a part of this dialogue, <clears throat> which we will address this issue of domestic violence, and what is it that we must do? What is our responsibility inside of it? Where do we draw the line? What are the things that we must look at in terms of domestic violence? Because of the fact, and, uh, you know, domestic violence does not discriminate, because of the fact domestic violence is not taking a back seat somewhere, because of this reason we must speak out against domestic violence. And I want you to understand something. Because we speak out against domestic violence, what it says is that, in fact, we're not going to tolerate it as a community. We're not going to tolerate it as a people. We're not going to tolerate it because, in fact, the moment that we tolerate domestic violence, what we're literally saying is that it's all right to happen here, and we cannot afford to allow domestic violence to become just something that we allow to happen. We have to stand up against it, and not only do we have to stand up against it, we have to stand up loudly against it. We must sound that alarm, and we must sound that alarm not tomorrow, but even right now. So as you're listening tonight, I invite you right here to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and I'm your host, J.R. Thicklet, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us today on Soul of America Radio Dot com. Now, once again, this is what I want you to do. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us. We have a, a Soul of America radio page on Facebook, as well as a page, Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business. Uh, it's a page there on Facebook we invite you to join and be a part of. But in addition to that, let me say this to you, beloved, that you can also join us on this show, Domestic Violence, uh, on this show, a hope and healing, a journey to wholeness as part of an advocacy, as speaking out in your community, speaking out around you, speaking out in your, uh, you know, in your parts of the country, standing up, whether you're in school or whether you're at work, wherever it might be, in your church, we have to have people that will stand up and speak out against domestic violence. And that's part of what we want to talk about on the other side of this break. Listen, join me on the other side of the break, area code 323 9638. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm going to see you right on the other side of the break, right here on Open Healing, the Soul of America.
Welcome back to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to J.R. Sacred, Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, right here on the one and only Soul of America Radio. We'll be right back. New programming coming up on the Soul of America Radio. Go to soulofamericaradio.com for more information. Not only that, you know, so often the things that are 
that are uh, connected with it, child abuse. Uh, all of these things have impacted lives of children, of families, have devastated families over a number of years, has been really, if you would, not only the eyesore, but have literally ripped the heart out of so many institutions. When we start talking about domestic violence and we start talking about how that how that rips up and destroys so many institutions there. Understand. Our earliest teacher, our parents are our are the children's very first teacher. So I'm found I found out that they don't always do what we say, but they more than likely will do what we do and what they see. And so we have to be very careful inside of that because domestic violence is not just something that happens between adults. It is something that is witness, is violence, it is behavior, it is control, it's manipulation, it's a pattern of coercive uh uh, behavior and things that uh, oftentimes is demonstrated in front of children, oftentimes is seen by kids. Kids witness these things. Estimated 3.5 to 15 million kids a year are witnessing domestic violence, and it's happening before them. And there, are, many of them are internalizing this as being normal behavior. So the issue of problem solving and tolerance is not even is not even on the table because all that they've seen and all that they've been exposed to has been the violent part. And that is the reason why we have to stick take a stand against domestic violence. We must raise our voice. We must stand up. We must advocate on every level because of the fact domestic violence does impact each and every one of us. And then one of the things that I have to say, and I ask you to listen today, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the show tonight, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. That's how you can reach us tonight. But you've got to understand something, is that this is something that is not done in a corner because, in fact, it never, domestic violence never stay put. It never reduces itself to being a small issue. It is impacting people from every walk of life. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter who you are. As a matter of fact, many victims oftentimes will not come forth because of their embarrassment, because they say things like, well, I'm a professional, and this shouldn't be happening to me. But word up, I need you to understand something, that domestic violence doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care how many degrees that you have. It doesn't care what type of family that you come from. You've got to understand that when you deal with this issue of domestic violence, not only is it a spirit, but it's, it's a pattern. It's a, it's a controlling mechanism. It is that part of an individual that feels that it's their views, it's what they see, it's what they've established as their norm. It is all of those things and then some. Because what we see inside of domestic violence is this, is that there's a sense of entitlement. There is a sense of entitlement, feeling like I deserve and what you deserve. In other words, there's a sense of I feel, you know, I feel like I'm superior. I feel like there are certain things that I am uh, entitled to that you're not. And so, therefore, when these things happen, it 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 it, it totally uh, discounts the fact of what home you come from and those things because we oftentimes get involved with individuals not really knowing who they are or when we see who they are, we feel that we're trapped. We're too far inside of it. And that is one of the reasons why we continue on with these efforts and these advocacy with these shows and others because we understand the impact of domestic violence and how it affects us, how it affects our children, how it affects our society. And those are the things that we have to be mindful of all the time because it doesn't behave, and I want to say this to you, it doesn't behave. 
uh, many times as parents, and I'm, I'm definitely a parent of college of a college uh, of college kids, uh, two kids in college uh, there, and I know inside of what they deal with. I know inside of the things that they're challenged with, uh, it's the fact of, you know, when you go off to school, oftentimes as a young person, you know, there's there's generally three dynamics that are working. Number one, you're falling out of your parents' house, and you're glad for the freedom. You're glad for the liberation. And more than likely, you want to do things that you've never done. You want to try things that you never tried. And oftentimes, you know, you want to have the freedom of exploring new things without your parents looking over your shoulder. So those are two of the things. But the third thing is oftentimes we try things that we've never tried. And when we try things that we never tried, here's the issue that happens is that we 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 have freedoms and we get involved with individuals that oftentimes become detrimental to our own well-being. And so what do we see? We oftentimes see young ladies who experience their first dating violence or their first sign of domestic violence when they leave and they go off to college. And when they go off to college and there's not the support system of mom and dad and, and the different ones there, they find themselves vulnerable because, you know, everybody wants to grow up. They want to find their love. They want to go out. They, they experience new things. They try new things. And so when they go off to college, oftentimes their guards are down because they're experiencing all these new things, only sometimes to find themselves in very controlling relationship. And when I talk about this, you got to understand it's not just the physical abuse. It's oftentimes the mental, the verbal abuse. It's the put-downs. It's the psychological things that happen. The name-calling, your nothing, uh, telling you that you don't deserve anything. No one cares about you. Uh, you don't mean nothing to me. And uh, those type things begin to begin, begin as the very simple things. And then it becomes more complicated when now this individual is uh, determining where you go or if you go or where you go or if if you go, who you go with, and when do you come back or when do you leave? And so these things begin to be those early signs that we see inside of abuse. When that individual uh, needs to know where you are at all times, when they're checking up on you all the time, not out of concern, but out of uh, the need to control, out of the need to feel like they've got to have their their thumb on you and control where you go. These are signs that we have to look for. We cannot afford to wait until someone hits us. We cannot afford to wait until someone is hurting us. We have to look at the fact this individual is trying to control my life. They're trying to control my every step. They're trying to control where I go, who, uh, when I go, who I talk to, how I talk to them. And so these things are very crucial in this day and time. So my challenge to you today is to recognize these early warning signs of domestic violence. And I'm quite sure we have plenty of listeners out there tonight, um, and perhaps even tonight I don't have a special guest lined up, but definitely if you're listening tonight, and perhaps you know someone, perhaps a coworker, a friend, a cousin, even could be yourself. Perhaps you know someone who is going through these type of situations right now. Could be a cousin, a little niece. So many times, you know, that because of our our need for independence, we don't want to be told anything by anyone. So because of that, we don't say a whole lot. And when we don't say a whole lot, we find ourselves in a lot of trouble. You're listening to Hope and Healing. A journey to wholeness right here on Soul of America Radio. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you're with us today. Remember, you can also uh, not only uh, listen to us at www.soulofamericaradio.com, but you also can call in and you can listen to us on, at area code 323-784-9638. And uh, if you'd like to have a question or comment, uh, just hit the number one on your keypad, and our engineer will make us aware of that, and we will get you right on the airway. As a matter of fact, 
back. I see there's a caller. Uh, your number ending, your last number ended in 6417. That's caller there, number ending in 6417. I want to say good evening and welcome to Hope and Healing. Hi. Good afternoon there. How are you? I'm doing great. And how are you today? I'm great. This is Antoinette McLean calling from Montgomery, Alabama. I am so glad to have you on the air. I know that we're going to have you on soon with another subject of post-traumatic stress disorder, but welcome to the show tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Well, did you have a comment or question about this whole issue that we're talking about here with just the impact here of domestic violence, but also knowing these early warning signs? Well, you know, domestic violence is such a broad area, but I have a concern about um domestic violence in, within the military and, and the, the children. And what what do we need to look for, you know, as we're moving around in the school systems and, and seeing the kids out there and because they're labored already with, um, um, you know, being bipolar or ADHA or whatever they, they tag these kids with, and then it could be something that's taking place at home. So how do we identify this and what do we do with this? You know, that's an absolutely great point. You know, and here's a point that I've, I have definitely uh, championed for quite a while, and you made a very important point, that so many times when we look at domestic violence, we, we stop, we begin and stop at the adults. We begin to stop at the people that we see, the adults who may be living in this type of conflict and this type of environment, but we forget about the very impacts that it have on the children. And you hit something around the head that I've championed for a while, that so often children are labeled with things like ADDH and, uh, and, and uh, being bipolar and all these other uh diagnosis there when the reality is is that it's not that that many times they are simply uh, being exposed and witnessing domestic violence over a period of time and what they really are, are exemplifying is symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and it is one of the reasons that oftentimes when children do get help even in the schools when the schools are not aware when the, when the interview of the assessment process is not done correctly they don't know that this is a result of a child that has been exposed to domestic violence and abuse. So what happens? What happens that oftentimes they're labeled and they're then put on psychotropic drugs uh, and stuff, whether it's Ritalin or other type drugs, because of the fact whether they're saying, well, this kid is demonstrating these particular signs. But if you were to look at the symptoms and the, and the effects, between ADDH and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, uh, that have happened as a result of a child who who's exposed to witness domestic violence, it, the chart looked exactly alike. I mean, there's so exactly. many commonalities that are there. But here's the problem, and I think that you can agree with this, is the fact what happens when you medicate a child who is still living in a violent situation or have never been counseled or never been taken out of that situation? I would surmise that you have a medicated child that is still a victim of abuse. Exactly, exactly. And so wow. what must we do? Well, we have to continue to raise awareness. I think there has to be more training and more exposure to the uh, school counselors and guidance counselors and the, and the staff there at the schools to recognize these things. But it doesn't stop there because, you know, in most cases, the children are not going to talk and they're only going to talk a limited amount. And what happens when they're threatened by their parents that don't say anything about what goes on in this house? Exactly, yeah. 
And so now right. the parent becomes an obstruction to the child who needs help, and oftentimes this child is acting out, this child is playing it out in school and things, and, you know, and the system only sees this kid as being a kid that is a troublemaker, that a kid that is disrupting the class, and they see those things, but they do not recognize what this kid has gone through. You bring up okay. a very interesting point, very interesting point. Did, did you want to carry that a little further? Because that point was very well taken. Well, no, I don't, because I want to leave that for another topic that you're going to be bringing up. Um, but exactly. as I was sitting here, um, just kind of going over some notes that I had, that was something that came to mind. And, and you know, we're trying to identify these kids in the school system of the behavior that they're having, and then we're not identifying that this is, you know, could be related to domestic violence in the home. And, you know, exactly because it looks right. good on the outside, but we don't know what's going on on the inside. You know what I discovered? In our society, especially here in this country, we like to go for the quicker the quicker fixer upper. You know, the old bounty commercial mm-hmm. used to be, you know, it's it's the quicker picker upper. In our society we like to go for the quicker fixer upper. So what we mm-hmm. do, if we can change what it looks like on the outside, then we feel like we've accomplished something, achieved something. But we're not changing it if it doesn't change from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so exactly. therefore as as you're saying, you know, our kids are are being labeled and I continue to think about the fact that in so many of our states we have these state standardized tests, and our kids have to pass these tests in order to be promoted or uh, properly, you know, uh, articulated to the next grade and all those things. And yet, still, we don't think about what happens to the kid. What happened to the kid who who didn't sleep the night before? I haven't slept three nights this week because of what they are being exposed to in the home, domestic violence and threats, and whether it's threats and violence or whether mm-hmm. or not it's always this type of ruckus going on. And this kid who didn't get any sleep, this kid who, who was up half of the night, this kid here who expects to get up, get on a school board, a school bus, get to school and perform like, you know, perform and, and achieve. And we never think about those type of kids, and what can we do about it? And I think that uh, in so many ways we want the quicker fixer-upper because if we can fix them up without going into the homes or addressing the home situation, then we will. We don't want the responsibility of once again saying to the parent, you have a child here that is being affected, who's being Mm -hmm. impacted by your behavior. And I think we have uh-huh. to go back there and not to re-victimize the victim, but definitely to call to attention to the unit as a whole that here is something that is impacting and really uh, not only impacting, but it very much is almost literally derailing the life of a very young person. Right, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I am looking forward to definitely our future broadcast with you. Thank you so very much for calling. And that, that question is still on the uh, still there on the air, still on the floor there. Those of you that are listening here, what about the children? The children that are impacted by uh, witnessing domestic violence, or viewing domestic violence, or and oftentimes these kids often end up being victims of child abuse as well. So I want you to call in tonight. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's area code three two three seven eight four nine six and right on the other side of the break, we will take your call. If you'd like to get in, push number one. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, right here on the Soul of America Radio.
Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin returns after this. Want to get in on the conversation? Call Jay at 323-784-9638. Hit the letter 1 that will allow our our producer and engineer to know that 
you want to have a question or comment, and we'll get you on the air, just like we're getting the call here, last number ending in 6962. Good evening, and welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Good evening, Mr. Thicklin. This is Gloria Fields. I'm calling in from West Palm Beach, Florida. Well, thank you so very much, Gloria. Good evening to you. So glad to have you on tonight. What's on your mind? Um, I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm I'm very passionate about, you know, um, domestic violence and being um, a former victim myself, and um, and knowing that, you know, through God and everything, I was able to get out of the situation, and um. You know, but I'm still healing myself, and um, in the um, through my healing process, as you know, I'm trying to become an advocate, so to speak, myself of um, raising that awareness um, because it, it does affect um, everyone. Now, I ha- I have my question. I have tonight. You know, not only have women been victims, but I know men can be victims as well. And how would we address that situation? Well, that's a very that's a very good question because of the fact you're exactly right that men are victims of domestic violence, and too often you don't hear the statistics that are given as far as men being victims of domestic violence. We talk about the fact that one out of four women will be a victim of domestic violence. We have to understand that one out of six men will also be a victim of domestic violence in their lifetime, mm-hmm. and so we know that it affects uh, people of all. Uh, you know, of all nationalities, we understand of people across across uh, race and 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 nationality and ethnicity. But we have to also admit to the fact that it definitely affects men. But let's talk about that a little bit because the dynamics of men being impacted by domestic violence is a little different. And I want to say this because I want to make it clear. Uh, when mm-hmm. you're talking about a woman um, generally abusing a man, the dynamics are different right from the beginning. Number one, the the the, the issue of strength, the issue the issue of strength, the issue of privilege, the issue mm-hmm. of uh, the issue of if you would independence is quite different. If you look at in our mm-hmm. case in in our society here, that domestic violence plays a great part inside of homelessness for women. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. it will tell you statistics generally say that between 70 and 75% of women that are in homeless shelter are there because of domestic violence. Well, we generally mm-hmm. won't find a man in a domestic violence shelter because of homelessness because oftentimes he's always more readily uh, able to bounce back, have job, have support system, able to navigate mm-hmm. uh, the system a lot of time and navigate in life a lot better a lot uh, more efficiently. Mm-hmm. The other part is the whole part about the fear factor for men, you know, inside of this threat uh, uh, and coercion and things. Uh, men does not uh, experience that in the same method or the same way that women do. Now, having said mm-hmm. that, keep in mind that in most mm-hmm. cases, though, women uh, choice of weapons in domestic violence are oftentimes just that. They're weapons. Whether it's guns or knives, they are striking back in that way. Men have mm-hmm. a greater problem inside of the fact of society, societal views mm-hmm. and perception of men. Well, men are supposed to be strong. You know, what does he, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it that he will have a woman abusing him? So a man does mm-hmm. get the backlash from society almost as saying you have no business being abused. And, uh, and yeah. that's one of those reasons why men don't call. That's one of the reasons that men don't report as often about the fact of being abused. 
But it goes to the point of uh, the next question I think you were saying is that what does a man do when he's abused? You know, we give mm-hmm. the number out for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the one, you know, the one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three, and those are good numbers. But in many ways, in many places, there aren't shelters for men. There are a lot of shelters mm-hmm. now that are. There are a few shelters now that are beginning to open up services to men, but oftentimes those are very short-term services, uh, where there are mm-hmm. hotel, motel programs. They're relocated to a, di- a different place in terms of that, and it becomes even more mm-hmm. complicated when a man has. Has children, and uh, he's trying to get away from the uh, perpetrator. It has children. So the reality mm-hmm. is, is that men often find themselves in the same situation where women have found themselves for years: oppressed, mm-hmm. no support, uh, not mm-hmm. knowing what to do, dealing with being judged by society, even family and friends. About you know, he must really be a punk letting a woman beat him or allowing those things to happen, mm-hmm. when the reality is there are a number of reasons why men won't fight back. Some men will not fight back because it is just it's cultural. They've been brought up not to hit a woman, not to strike at a woman. So he right. may choose not to in that way. But on the other hand, having said that, I don't want to stereotype because, you know, that's, you know, that's me talking about heterosexual men and women. But what happens when we have a situation where there are men who are actually abused by their male partners? So we have these yeah. type of abusive situations that are happening uh, right along, and they they become as violent as any other relationship in domestic violence. Yeah. And it's just yeah. the fact that society still has that uh, stigma about it and oftentimes don't respond as efficiently, perhaps, as they should or could. So it's a real okay. issue about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Did you have another question, Gloria? Another comment? Um, oh well, I I ran into one of your good friends, Sharon. I spoke with her um, a couple weeks ago. She wants me to speak at one of her um, domestic violence um, conferences. So I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> and this <laughs> you know, is one of my good friends. Yes, Sharon. I can't think of her last name right now, but um, is it Sharon or Chandra? Is it Chandra? Yes, I'm sorry, Chandra. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, you and you and her were um, started out together in your well, um, in your journey. Well, that is definitely one of my sheroes, and I talk about that. And those yeah. of you that are listening, that I often like to give, uh, I like to give a shout out to sheroes, and I call yeah. them sheroes because these are the people that inspired me uh, when I uh, began to really uh, put a lot of work into domestic violence. These are individuals that, uh, you know, that not only allowed me to have a voice. These are individuals mm-hmm. who supported that voice. These are individuals who not only supported that voice, but often gave me the opportunity to speak out. And that was during a time when it was not popular to see a man speaking out against domestic yeah. violence. Not that it's all that yeah. popular now, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, but mm-hmm. it was at a time where literally, uh, you know, we were not invited to the table. And uh, today I'm not so sure how much men are really invited to the table now. But I know that there's mm-hmm. a greater effort to get more men to the table because there was a time that uh, only time the men were at the table was when they were on the menu. And that's generally when they were being chopped up, you know, cut up, talked about, and totally mm-hmm. uh, demonized. And uh, we hopefully have come from that place now. And there are men that will stand up, and there are men who will say that enough is enough. And there are men that will say, listen here, there is no room and there's no place for domestic violence. And those are the men that we have to have to join in this chorus. 
Let's join in this chorus and this symphony uh, of uh, of sound to stop domestic violence. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. event that you're going to be a part of, and it's going to mm-hmm. be a great yeah. event because, in fact, yeah. we have to have people to stand up and to speak out. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. thank you yeah. so much, Gloria. You definitely got to be back on yeah. with us. I want you to be able to share your story with our audience. I want to be able to do that on one of these uh, Monday nights where we can really uh, just give really a full uh, block of time uh, to your story. But I want to say this. Mm-hmm. You said something that was mm-hmm. so important. You talked about your healing process. And, and part of your mm-hmm. healing process is the fact of advocacy. And you want to not only mm-hmm. tell your story, but you want to go out there and create venues that others may understand those warning signs, understand the pitfalls, but also understand that you can get out of it. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. and that's the message that people need to understand that even that are listening today, mm-hmm. somebody that is listening to us somewhere in this country or somewhere around the world uh, that is listening to this broadcast right now, you may find yourself in a situation. You may find yourself feeling trapped that you can never get out. You may feel like you're at dead ends and that no one knows what you're going through. But let me say this to you. You can get out. There is a way out. So, you know, don't give up and we're gonna have uh we're gonna we're going to have Gloria and other guests that are gonna be on in the very uh uh near coming weeks that are gonna be able to share with you and gonna talk about that journey how they got out. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and you're listening to us right here on the Soul of America Radio, right here at soulofamericaradio.com. Uh, Eric code 323 I'm waiting for your calls right on the other side of this break. I'll hear you then. Join me here on Soul of America Radio. Healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio LLC. This is the one and only Soul. violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. 
If you are a victim, reach out to somebody. You can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thickler right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. night on the Soul of America Radio, uh, and I'm glad that you're listening, whether you're listening by www.soulofamericaradio.com, and you go right there to that tab there says Hope and Healing, and just tune in live to us. Now, our broadcaster there is not only being uh, uh, brought to you live, but you can always go back and listen to the podcast and listen to the archives of any show that we've done here, and uh, hopefully it will definitely be a source of uh, strength to you or to others. Perhaps you know someone that's going through an abusive relationship and perhaps you don't know how to approach them. But you know what? You can always go back to the archives of some of our programming and just simply do what? Email the link. Allow them to listen to it. It'll make a big difference with them. But uh, we're so glad on the uh, just before the break there, uh, we we had a guest that called in, uh, Gloria, and uh, she's going to be back on with us in the soon coming weeks as well as we talk about uh, some of the issues that not only that she uh, went through, but she's overcome. And, you know, the show is about hope and healing, bringing about the awareness and not only that uh, awareness, but letting you know that one can heal from uh, the issues of domestic violence and uh, domestic abuse. So if you want to call in tonight, if you're listening, uh, you want to call in if you're part of the show, area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. That's how you can reach us here. Uh, hit the number one, and we will make sure that you get on and, uh, and have your time to make a comment or ask a question here on uh, the Soul of America Radio.com. Now, if you'd like to reach me by email, email a question, have a question you'd like to send in, or even just like to discuss a situation, you can email me at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That is the letter J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. Now, so much is happening as we look around us. We continue to see violence escalate in so many ways, uh, homes, children. We're seeing victims uh, that are being killed and left for dead. We're seeing these type of things happen, and it's becoming too common. It's becoming too common of a thing in our society, and those are the things that we have to work very hard to eradicate. So my question to you, and I'm going to ask you to take this challenge tonight, is the fact, what are you doing? 
Are you doing all that you can do to uh, to actually eradicate domestic violence? Don't think that you can do too little or that you that that you can't do enough. Uh, you got to understand that your voice is needed inside of addressing this issue of domestic violence. Domestic violence is an equal opportunity destroyer. It doesn't matter where you come from. You can come from the you can come from the project or you can come from the palace. It doesn't matter because domestic violence doesn't discriminate, and we have to understand it doesn't discriminate. But having said that, we must also understand where the issue of domestic violence is more prevalent than it is with other issues, and we have to hold those individuals accountable when it comes to domestic violence. Have you thought about the fact that our young girls and our young boys who oftentimes who have now seemingly become immersed in, in such a culture of violence that the reality is that they don't know how to have conflict without violence. They don't know how to have conflict and disagreement without violence. And we have to get to the place where we have uh, have an alternative, where we understand that the next step from conflict is not violence, but it should be solution. Let's find a solution to the things that we're going through. Let's find a solution to our disagreement. Let's find a solution rather than having the violence to take place. There are some people that are listening even right now on the line. There are people that are listening by way of Internet right now. And your hearts are heavy and your hearts are broken and you've dealt with this pain. You've dealt with this pain of, of a loved one that have lost their life uh, due to domestic violence, uh, a daughter, a, a niece that you once told that they needed to get out of this situation and they didn't get out in time and they lost their lives. The emptiness and the pain that you feel has been shared by so many. But tonight, as you're listening to me, I want you to understand there is hope and there is healing. First of all, one of the greatest things that you could do, along with myself, is to keep raising the awareness. One of the greatest things that we can do is continue to raise the awareness and, and take responsibility in our society and our community about domestic violence and have that conversation. And I'm so glad that so many of you that are listening to me tonight, I want to send out a shout-out to my friend Stephanie there in South Carolina, uh, listening to us on the soulofamericaradio.com. Thank you for being there. Thank you for listening. And thank you for uh, just tuning in to Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. And I want to just send out a shout-out to not only them, but I want to send out a shout-out to all of you that have not only called and those of you that may have uh, sent an email as it relates to the issue of domestic violence that you may be facing. Some that are listening today uh, I've talked to uh, directly who have had some issues that have been very, very uh dear to me and very near to me because when they turn to their faith leader, when they turn to their church or their pastor, they didn't get an answer or they felt like they were pushed aside or they felt like uh, that they just kind of brushed it up under a rug. Oftentimes, and in this case here, one of the cases here, leaving the individual to fend for themselves, not knowing which way to go. Uh, one situation here uh, where a, a caller recently said to me uh, the fact that they turned to their church and the pastor did say that we're just simply not equipped to address the situation. And oftentimes and too often we find that to be the case. But, you know, we can't use that as an excuse forever. 
we have to be willing to get equipped and empowered to address this issue of domestic violence because it's happening. It is happening in our churches. It's happening among people sitting in the pews and sitting in the pulpit and sitting in the choir stand and sitting over there on the mother's board and the deacon board and auxiliary this and all of those things. It is happening because of the fact it is happening in people. And when we try to translate it, this is what is so confusing for so many victims of domestic violence, is that when they try to translate the love of God and to try to translate their beliefs and their Christianity, it gets confused with the fact that the same individual who's talking about a loving God, who's talking about all those things, could actually be the same individual who is perpetrating the violence. And so that becomes a real issue there because when the abuser is professing to be a believer, and yet it's still they are perpetrating the violence. And so when they perpetrate the violence like that, it does leave the victim oftentimes uh, confused and thinking about now what's happening here. And even more dangerous is when we find what we call scripture batterers. Uh, you know, uh, scripture batterers are those who, Use the Bible. Use the Bible to justify their abuse. Use the Bible to justify the fact uh, that they uh, treat the individual the way that they do. Use the Bible to say, listen, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do what I say do. You're supposed to obey me in every sense of the word. And this is the dangerous abuser because, in fact, this is the abuser who literally uses God as a, if you would, as a front man for to justify their abuse. It's a dangerous place to be, and yet it still it happens way too often. And so when we talk about the responsibility that we have as a church, when we talk about the responsibility we have as ministry, as we talk about the responsibility that we have in our society, listen, we have to make sure that we, there's enough to go around. And so when we're talking about uh, whether people are attending church or attending services or worship or whatever, and yet it still find themselves horrified and scared because of the abuse, then there's time for it. Something needs to be done about it. And that means that it, it, it goes beyond just saying, I'll pray for you. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm not minimizing the power of prayer whatsoever. But what I'm saying that there has to be healing beyond a word of prayer. That means that if a victim is coming to you saying, listen, I'm in an abusive situation. This is what's happening to me. Uh, I'm being threatened. I'm being hurt. Uh, I'm being choked. I'm being, I'm being told that I'm nothing. I'm being degraded. I'm being, I'm, I'm being just totally uh, torn down. The first question that should not come out of your mouth is not, you know, what did you do to them to make them mad or angry? That question should not be, well, you know, I know them, I've known them, you know, most of their lives, and I just don't believe they'll do something like that. Your first responsibility, number one, is to listen and to believe that victim. Believe what they're saying to you. Now, if it's not true, it'll come to light. But I don't know too many people that are stepping up just with accusations saying, hey, they abused me. But I do know one thing, that there are far too many that are coming to leaders, coming to churches, coming to individuals with these issues, and we don't, or we're not equipped. We don't have things in place. We're not having that dialogue. We don't want to meet them where they are. You know, we have to be very careful of the fact that we're not looking for a cosmetic church. I mean, a cosmetic church is a church that looks good. They look good on the outside. They look good. They're fixed up. They look prim. They look proper. They look prosperous. They look like they've got it going on. They just look 
good. Man, they got the facade going on. They got the look and all those things are there. But we're looking for a cosmetic church. The reality is that the church is not the church is not meant to be a cosmetic church. It's a hospital, folks. It's a spiritual trauma center and we have to be about it being that. It is that place where people should be able to come that are hurting. People that are coming that are bruised and battered. People that can come with that are crushed and depressed and hopeless and helpless. They ought to be able to come through those doors and, and be able to not only hear a word, but able to feel the support, to feel the love. They they ought to be able to come to a place where they can be believed and a place where they can be undergirded so that they can be made whole again. But that doesn't happen, folks. It doesn't happen if we're rejecting them. It doesn't happen when we say to them that uh, we're not equipped to deal with that. It doesn't happen when we simply say, listen, you'll get over it. It doesn't happen when we say, I'm just going to pray for you. It doesn't happen when you give them uh, invitation to a, uh, to a marriage retreat. The issue is not a marital problem in the sense of it. It's an abuse problem. It's a problem of violence. It's a problem of control. And we've got to take responsibility there. We must be willing to be educated and, and taught and trained and, and ask the Lord to enlighten us and cause the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his call as a result to the issues of domestic violence and abuse. Now, one of the things that we do is that's exactly what we do. We help we help and assist pastors in starting domestic violence ministries, or if they have one started, to help them to be able to perfect that. How do you put together policies and procedures? How do you put together protocol? How are we going to handle domestic violence cases when they come here? Who do we know? Who are the resources in the community? Who do we connect with? Those questions are very crucial questions, and those questions that we have to answer if we're going to make a difference inside of this whole thing uh, with domestic violence. So I challenge you today that are listening to us, area code 323-784-9638. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's the number to reach us here um, on Hope and Healing: A Journey to Wholeness. If you'd like to have a question or a comment, just hit the number one. Our engineer will let us know that you desire to speak, and we will get you on the airway. If you're listening by way of uh, the internet, www.soulofamericaradio.com. We thank you so much for tuning in to us tonight. And right on the other side here, on the other side of this particular break, here we are going to come back. And we're going to enjoy uh, the rest of our time together. I want you to call in tonight. I would like to hear from you. Somebody that are listening right now, and I know that I described a situation that's very much similar to yours or someone you know. Uh, but perhaps you're talking to someone right now who don't know which way to turn and they're in an abusive situation. Well, guess what? I want to be able to help walk you through that. I want to be able to point you the right way and point you a way that you can get help. Riley on the side of the place, they are thick with open dealing, the journey to hold. See you after
get involved. Fight against domestic violence. This is the one and only Sword. Get on the air and talk with J.R. Thicklin tonight. You can dial 323-784-9638. If you're already holding at that number, simply press 1 to let Jay know that you want to speak on the air. Also, if you're listening by phone and prefer to listen over the Internet, please go to www.soulofamericaradio.com. Above Life circumstances, you can soar. And now, back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Stiglin. and that you understand that there is help. We've given out the uh, national hotline number to 1-800-799-7233, the 1-799-SAFE, and that is there for you that are uh, listening today. Pass that number on, and perhaps you're listening by way of the Internet. Uh, And uh, if you're listening by way of the Internet, if you'd like to uh, uh, reach me, I want to send a question or have a comment or whatever, or a question that you may want to discuss, I want me to discuss on the airway. You can reach me at J Ficklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That is the letter J T H I C K L I N at soulofamericaradio.com. And I'm always so very glad to be able to serve you in terms of that. Listen, I'm running across people each and every day of my life. They're impact by, impacted by domestic violence or so many things that lead out of it. Uh, I was talking to someone just the other day, and they talked about the fact that, you know, they had to leave their marriage because of domestic violence and abusive situation. And one of the things that was so interesting, they said, you know, what is so uh, amazing for them was the fact that they loved their husband. They loved him, and, uh, and that they, uh, they did not leave the marriage because they were no longer in love with him, but they left the marriage because of fear for their lives. They left the marriage because they were, they were fearful that uh, he would kill the, kill uh, them or kill uh, their children, and it was the reason why they left. They left because of the fact they recognized that they could not remain in that situation and uh, be of sound mind, being of sound heart, or uh, any of those things. So they made that exit because of that. And when we talk about those far-reaching impact and far-reaching effects of domestic violence, 
that is definitely one of them. It is that far-reaching effect and impact of domestic violence that uh, really knows no end because of the fact it impacts people from every walk of life. It doesn't matter. It shatters home. It shatters lives. Uh, I was talking to a gentleman here most recently who talked about the fact that um, his whole family, as a child, his mother relocated him and his brothers and sisters. They got away in the night because of the fact that their father was abusive to them. And I'm just simply saying there are so many things that happen that impacts family, that impacts the way children feel about themselves, that impacts the way a victim may look at the world afterwards. And this here goes beyond. That's why I refuse to allow someone to minimize domestic violence and call it a lover's quarrel because it's not a lover's quarrel. Domestic violence is a controlling situation. It is an attempt to control a person's life. It is that part that continues to exert um, manipulation and control. Uh, and these things happen. And because these things happen, oftentimes people find themselves trapped or feeling trapped inside of an abusive relationship. But I want them to know that there is hope and healing. And somebody, you may be listening even tonight, and perhaps you're out of your situation. Perhaps you've been out uh, recently, or perhaps you've been out for a while. But I want you to know that it is. It is a process of healing. It is a process of healing in that it is a journey to healing, and we have to get there. And Don't let anyone make you feel like, well, you ought to be whole right now, or you ought to be healed totally right now. It is a process. Take your time. Be healed. Know the fact, know the fact that you want to be healed and continue to work toward that healing because it is your identity oftentimes that has been already stripped. It is your uh, sense of purpose that oftentimes has already been shattered. So when we talk about that journey to healness, healing and wholeness, uh, you got to understand that it's a, it is that. It's a journey. It's not a, it's not a uh, sprint. It's a marathon. And you'll get there, and when you get there, you'll be able to know that you arrive, not only with your life, but arrive with life-changing uh, lessons, life uh, testimonies that will actually help someone else uh, not only get out of an abusive relationship, or perhaps avoid one altogether. So those are the things I want to make sure that you get today. I want you to also to understand something, that we have a responsibility as a community. We have a responsibility not only to continue to raise the awareness and raise the alarm and sound the alarm about this, but we have to do so. And I'm talking to someone today, perhaps you're part of sorority, uh, perhaps you're part of fraternity. We have a responsibility in our community to raise this issue. I want to give you the scenario here, and uh, you can call in if you like to that are listening today. If you'd like to have a comment or you'd like to have a question, uh, just call in at area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. But here's the situation here. Here's the scenario based upon a true story. Uh, this particular young lady uh, uh, was attending this particular high school, and uh, she uh, dated a guy who was very popular. matter of fact, he was one of their uh, letter athletes. And uh, most girls wanted to be with him, but he ended up with this particular girl. And when he ended up with this particular girl here, of course, she was privileged. She felt privileged. She felt proud. She felt special being a part of his life and being uh, his girlfriend. And as they begin to get deeper in the relationship, the relationship actually accelerated. It moved so very quickly that before she knew it, she found herself totally engulfed with him. 
She had to be around him. She had to always answer uh, whenever he called. She had to always be available whenever he may have called or texted her. And so she found herself feeling just a little, if you would, a little bit of uh, cramp and a little bit uncomfortable. Well, this individual here who was the letter athlete and all those things there, uh, literally not only humiliated her in front of his friends, but oftentimes would threaten her uh, with what he would do to her. Well, as the story goes on, this young lady here, beautiful young lady herself, uh, uh, was actually part of several clubs there at the school, was part of the honor society, was uh, working very efficiently toward her future, found herself in a relationship uh, with this guy that became even more and more uh, valid because it went from the mental, the verbal abuse, the threatening what he would do to literally the physical abuse. And the physical abuse that she uh, endured, she kept from her mother initially. She did not tell them what happened. Uh, she dressed very carefully, started wearing clothes to cover up her bruises and, and doing all the things that she could to protect herself so, and to protect him. And what ended up happening with this young lady here is that not only did uh, her boyfriend become more possessive and more controlling, but he he threatened that he would kill her because he thought she he saw her talking to another guy, and she he did not want her to talk to any other guy or to be around any other guy because in his words, you belong to me, you are my woman, I'm your man. And here's some things I say to you because too often we throw around these little terms of endearment. We throw around these conversations as if they're safe. You're my man. I'm your woman. You know, you belong to me. And although it sounds attractive and sounds sweet and all those things there, it's not sweet and it's not attractive in many cases. It is another way of control. It is control that lends itself to some uh, powerful things there. And so inside of that, You've got to recognize the fact that this type of abuse leads to even greater forms of abuse. Well, as this story went on, this guy here, literally, he actually shot and killed this young lady. He shot and killed her right outside of the school grounds. And as a result of it, you know, of course, he ends up in prison. But the reality is, is that the campus was shattered. The campus was shattered because this guy was also, because he was that letter athlete, many guys looked up to him, and they saw the way he dealt with his girlfriend, and so they wanted to have that type of quote-unquote lockdown ability so that the woman did what they say, what they say, how they said, and when they said. And that's the part that is so dangerous. That is the part that we have to be considered of because so many times the younger generation are mimicking one another or they're mimicking what they're seeing. And so when we start talking about abuse and violence, we have to understand that there's a culture that has been created for our young people, and they're seeing this played out. And as they see it played out, it is affected how they see themselves and how they see life. So we, that's the reason that we must set up. We must speak out. We have to understand that as young men and as men that uh, – you know, that women are not made to be walked over, not made to be hit, not made to be uh, slapped, not made to be manip- um, manipulated or uh, controlled, not at all. And we have to dismiss those type of behavior. We must stand up against it and literally just say enough is enough. There is no excuse for abuse. And it goes back to valuing one's purpose and valuing one's life. Any time a person, any time a person uh, can begin to abuse someone, they must first objectify that individual. And so when they objectify the individual, that means that they've made them non-human. They've made them 
an object. That's why the fact that they said, let me hit that, you know, uh, they use terms like that and, and uh, uh, let me rip, let me do those things there because it's easier to do what you do when you can, uh, if you're going to objectify someone. In other words, when they become an object to you rather than an individual to you, then you are able to do things to an object that you would never do to something or someone that you thought was a living organism, a living individual. And so, therefore, when we deal with the issue of domestic violence and dating violence and violence on the campuses, we have to have those that were set up, even amongst our young people, and say, look, there's no excuse for domestic violence, and uh, you deserve to be treated better. And those are the people that have to be raised up. Those are the armies that I think is so important that uh, we see set up and uh, begin to sound the alarm on their school grounds, you know, uh, on their campuses. Uh, they have to be able to set up in their fraternities and sorority and say there is no excuse for abuse. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Holders. I am your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight. We're right here in our final stretch of this program tonight, but we're so glad for those of you that are called and those of you that are listening by way of radio. And we invite you, we invite you to be a part of this tonight. We invite you to be a part of, uh, of what we're doing and a part of what we desire to do in eradicating domestic violence. So we invite you, we call, uh, we ask that you would uh, not only spread the word, but every Monday night, this is where you can find us. Every Monday night, you can find us right here on Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness. This is where you can find us. We'll be here at 9 o'clock p.m., 9 o'clock Eastern Time. That's 9 o'clock Eastern Time. That's 8 o'clock Central Time. Uh, and that's, of course, 7 o'clock uh, Mountain Time and 6 o'clock Pacific Time. That is where you can find us, uh, right here on www.soulofamericaradio.com. Or you can call us at area code 323 784 9638. Area code 323 784 9638. And uh, we will definitely love to have you on. As we get ready to wrap up for tonight, I just simply want to say to you out there, that your silence only perpetuates the abuse. Turning your head away does not turn the situation off, for you can never change what you're unwilling to confront. You never can confront that which you're unwilling to identify. You can never identify that which you're unwilling to acknowledge. You can never acknowledge that which you're unwilling to accept. So we must stand up, and we must take this plight and take this stand against domestic violence, simply because there is no excuse. Absolutely none whatsoever. There's no excuse for domestic violence. We have to set up. We must train our young ladies and our young men that abuse is not tolerated and it's not what we're going to do. Uh, so we have to recognize that uh, every opportunity we get, we must not only tell them, but we must show them what harmonious living is, how to treat. Uh, themselves and how to uh, treat one another because that is very much the core of this. When a person is uh, abusive and they're controlling, they're not valuing what the other person's sense of worth, and that is what we must do, value the other person's sense of worth. And once we value that sense of worth, then guess what? We can then begin to celebrate who they are. And as we celebrate who they are, they can become everything that they need to be and they can do the things that are so important to do in their lives, and that's by making a difference as they deal with uh, people 
uh, from day to day. So I want you to just uh, keep in mind that this is where you find us every Monday night. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor. On next week, we're looking forward to a great show, and we're so glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio dot com. And until next week, this is J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight, and I hope that you have a great night. Listen, reach me at jthicklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That's where you can find us tonight. And until next week, I am bidding you a good night. Have a great one, and we'll see you then.
Here 